Part two of Chapter five of XYZ A Detective Story by Anna Katherine Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Part two of Chapter five The Yellow Domino. No, he is here, came in startling accents over my shoulders, and with a quick leap, Joe Benson sprang by me and stood handsome tall and commanding in the centre of the room hartley carry edith what is this i hear my father stricken down my father dying or dead and i left to wander up and down through the shrubbery while you knelt at his bedside and received his parting blessing is this the recompense you promised me hartley is this your sisterly devotion carry this your love and attention to my interests edith oh joe dear joe do not blame us carrie made haste to reply we thought you were here a man was here that man behind you simulating you in every regard and to him we gave the domino and from him we have learned what sprang in thundering tones from the young giant's throat as he wheeled on his heel and confronted me that your brother hartley is a villain i declared looking him steadily in the eye god was his only exclamation as he turned slowly back and glanced toward his trembling brother sir said i taking a step toward uncle joe who between his eagerness to embrace the newcomer and his dread of the consequences of this unexpected meeting stood oscillating from one side to the other in a manner ridiculous enough to see what do you think of the propriety of uttering aloud and here the suspicions which you were good enough to whisper into my ears an hour ago do you see any reason of altering your opinion as to which of the two sons of mr benson invaded his desk and appropriated the bonds afterward found in their common apartment when you survey the downfallen crest of the one and compare it with the unfaltering look of the other no he returned roused into sudden energy by the start given by hartley and advancing between the brothers he looked first at one and then at the other with a long solemn gaze that called out the color on hartley's pale cheek and made the crest of joe rise still higher in manly pride and assertion joe said he for three years now your life has lain under a shadow accused by your father of a dreadful crime you have resolutely refused to exonerate yourself notwithstanding the fact that a dear young girl waited patiently for the establishment of your innocence in order to marry you to your family this silence meant guilt but to me and mine it has told only a tale of self-renunciation and devotion joe was i right in this was edith right the father you so loved and feared to grieve is dead speak then did you or did you not take the bonds that were found in the cupboard at the head of your bed three years ago to-night the future welfare not only of this faithful child but of the helpless sister who despite her belief in your guilt 
has clung to you with unwavering devotion depends upon your reply let my brother speak was the young man's answer given in a steady and nobly restrained tone your brother will not speak his uncle returned don't you see you must answer for yourself say then are you the guilty man your father thought you or are you not let us hear joe i am not avowed the young man bowing his head in a sort of noble shame that must have sent a pang of anguish through the heart of his brother oh i knew it i knew it came from edith's lips in a joyous cry as she bounded to his side and seized him by one hand just as his sister grasped the other in a burst of shame and contrition that showed how far she was removed from any participation in the evil machinations of her elder brother the sight seemed to goad hartley benson to madness looking from one to the other he uttered a cry that yet rings in my memory carrie edith do you both forsake me and all because of a word which any villain might have uttered is this the truth and constancy of women is this what i had a right to expect from a sister a uh, a friend carrie you at least always gave me your trust will you take it away because a juggling spy and a recreant brother have combined to destroy me but beyond a wistful look and a solemn shake of the head carrie made no response while edith with her eyes fixed on the agitated countenance of her lover did not even seem to hear the words of pleading that were addressed to her the shock of the disappointment was too much for hartley benson clenching his hand upon his breast he gave one groan of anguish and despair and sank into a chair inert and helpless but before we could any of us take a step toward him before the eyes of the doctor and mine could meet in mutual understanding he had bounded again to his feet and in a burst of desperation seized the chair in which he sat and held it high above his head fools dotards he exclaimed his eyes rolling in frenzy from face to face but lingering longest on mine as if there he read the true secrets of his overthrow as well as the promise of his future doom you think it is all over with me that there's nothing left for you to do but to stand still and watch how i take my defeat but i am a man who never acknowledges defeat there is still a word i have to say that will make things a little more even between us listen for it you it will not be long in coming and when you hear it let my brother declare how much enjoyment he will ever get out of his victory and whirling the chair about his head he plunged through our midst into the hall without for an instant we stood stupefied then carrie benson's voice rose in one long thrilling cry and with a bound she rushed towards the door i put out my hand to stop her but it was not necessary before she could cross the threshold the sudden sharp detonation of a pistol shot was heard in the hall and we knew that the last dreadful word of that night's tragedy had been spoken the true secret of hartley benson's action in this matter was never discovered that he planned his father's violent death no one who was present at the above interview ever doubted 
that he went further than that and laid his plans in such a manner that the blame if blame ensued should fall upon his innocent brother was equally plain especially after the acknowledgment we received from jonas that he went out on the balcony and looked in the window at the special instigation of his young master but why this arch villain either at his own risk or at that of the man he hated felt himself driven to such a revolting crime will never be known unless indeed the solution be found in his undoubted passion for the beautiful edith and in the accumulated pressure of certain secret debts for whose liquidation he dared not apply to his father i never revealed to this family the true nature of the motives which actuated me in my performance of the part i played that fatal night it was supposed by miss carey and the rest that i was but obeying instructions given me by mr benson and i never undeceived them i was too much ashamed of the curiosity which was the mainspring of my action to publish each and every particular of my conduct abroad though i could not but congratulate myself upon its results when some time afterward i read of the marriage of joe and edith the counterfeiters were discovered and taken but not by me finis end of part two of chapter five end of x y z a detective story by anna katherine green thank you for listening